throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Good day, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Things Worth Considering. I'm your host, Gord Bridell, and I am here with our ever-gracious co-host, Dr. Jan Hill. How are you doing, Jan? I'm great. Thank you. Are you you. great? I can tell you're great. I can just look at you and see you're great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling extra gracious today. Oh, good. Good, Because we're going to talk about one of those extra gracious uh, (laughs) topics. Um, uh, Not that anybody knows much about it, but it's called codependency. Um, (laughs) And we're going to maybe uh, shake out some of the myths, but also to get a grip on uh, some of the ideas behind codependency. It actually, the term was coined back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it was a very specific term, and it was referring to people who are in relationships with an addict. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and it grew out of the recovery movement, which, of course, you know, goes through the 80s and, and big into the 90s. Because um, it, was, it was beginning to be observed that people who are in a relationship with an addict were, were showing similarities in their personality and characteristic traits. Um, and this included someone who was also brought up in uh, a, a parent where a parent was an addict. So it's not just being married to one or living with one, but also if our parent was, um, we have very, very similar characteristics. So you're saying we have similar characteristics to the addict? No, uh, we have similar characteristics to, to other. other people who are okay. in relationship with addicts or grew up in a home. Gotcha. With addiction. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, I don't, what is codependency? Other than what I just said. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? So, there's the whole way of defining it, and yet uh, so many people are living it. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it is a lived, <laughs> you know, it is so broad based um, that we all have characteristics at various times, depending on who's sitting across from me. Mm. Right, Jan? Right, Cord. <laughs> I feel like so codependent right now. <laughs> um, uh, you know, over time, um, the non addict, they become so focused on the addict. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's a huge, huge problem because let's say that the person is, uh, the addict is addicted to alcohol. It's probably the easiest and the most studied. Um, the person who is being defined as a codependent is actually as involved in alcohol as the person who is using. Yeah. Because all that focus is on that bottle. Right. So How they much may is be, being used. Yeah. And they may be the person who's resisting the alcohol, right? Who's resisting that, uh, the, uh, the addict's um, addiction to the alcohol. So I think one of the key qualities of codependence is that they're, each person experiences the fulfillment of self, which comes through the behavior of the other person. So if we were codependent, then a great illustration would be, right? My sense of who I am and how well maybe I do this job that we do together, right, is actually related to and grows out of how you perform your job, right? So if you perform your job in a particular way, it has an impact on me. And so I may try to, I may actually have an experience of fulfillment or, mm, I don't know, or loss of fulfillment or something like the lack of fulfillment, right? Depending on how you do your thing. When really, in fact, we're separate individuals. Exactly. Exactly. So if I have a bad show, you're going to have a bad show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Maybe. Good. Just so you know that. Uh, (laughs) Although that never happens. Uh, No, no. I mean, the name, the title (laughs) of this actual episode is if I, if you're okay, then I'm okay. Yeah. And I think it's worth actually drawing the distinction, right? Because it kind of makes intuitive sense, right? If you're a listener, you say, well, yeah, if Gord has a bad show, then Jan can have a bad show because it's just all bad. Right. But in fact, it actually doesn't have to be that that way because we're autonomous individuals having a separate experience. I might not even know you have a bad day, but if I'm super tuned into you and defining myself through you, then yeah, if you have a bad day, I'll have a bad day because right. I'm just a reflection of you. When you can't get me to like sit up on the chair by the microphone <laughs> and get off the floor. Exactly, uh, right? <laughs> you know, but it was, so what, what happens though is that focus, it begins to distort 
the belief of the the codependent person that you know they start to believe that if only that guy or that girl was sober that all the problems would disappear and of course then then comes the work of trying to control what the addict's use is and to get them to stop using sure and guess what even though they're sober ain't gonna make a difference doesn't yeah no so, so, so the, the twist in the road here is with codependency, in spite of the name, it is not about another person or their behavior. Yeah. It is totally about us. Exactly. Totally about us. Mm-hmm. It is about us not having any focus on ourselves. By my staying focused on you, I don't have to deal with my stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, we all know what happens if we don't deal with our stuff. It gets a little bubbly after a while. Yes, it gets a little tricky, right? Yeah, it can uh, through to the point of it can it can have you know really disastrous effects and cause mental illness yep. from depression, anxiety, through to uh, attempted suicide. Yep, a whole you bunch know. of blame. Oh, to blame. Lost well, absolutely. Right? That's, just, that's just the beginning. Yeah, and there's these actual, there's the systems of codependency that happen in families, right? So oh, it's yeah. not just between two people. It can happen within an entire family structure. Actually, the family has to be treated. If someone goes into mm-hmm. treatment, the whole family has to, mm-hmm. you know, at least uh, be educated around what this really means mm-hmm. or what's going on inside that family. Because yeah. every single person who, you know, lives with a parent who is codependent and a parent who is an addict, uh, even if the addict left, is very, very affected by it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we carry it on to the next generation and the next generation. However, with some awareness, it's, we can stop it. Mm-hmm. We can stop it in this generation and not have to have, have our children, grandchildren acting it out somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so bringing the focus back onto ourselves, um, and and you know, really realizing that you know this this is just a nice deviation um, to stop us from looking at ourselves. Right. It's a roadblock. It's a roadblock. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that the thing that makes it codependent is the other person is doing exactly the same thing. Absolutely. And that's what creates, that's the cement in the relationship. Because if, for example, you're the person who's rescuing somebody else and they don't want to be rescued, then, you know, they're just going to run away. Right? They will, and that's and, then, and that's the whole th- the yeah. fallacy of the thing. If only if only they would get sober, then you know everything will be fine. Right. But when the person might get sober, they might take a look and say, "I don't want to be here." Right. Right. They're they're impeding my recovery, and they leave. Right, and they are often filled with resentment. They're filled with resentment and right? anger because they and, don't want to be rescued, and because also too, I think a part of that comes from uh, a part of the the, um, the reclamation of self comes from actually making a decision, following through, acting in your own best interest, and um, you know whatever it is. I don't. That's very with, selfish. I don't you. work with alcoholics or anything, but in codependent couples, right? Yeah. The person who is is the one being pursued by the other, the one being helped. By the time when, when they get to the point where they're tired of being helped and they want to actually help themselves, then the person who's been helping them, they end up resenting that person because that person, exactly as you said, becomes the roadblock for them actually taking control of their own life. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and then, of course, then we just set up with the resentment and set up with all that blaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, chances of coming through this without both parties being you know, acutely aware and working on it is not going to happen. I, uh, you know, I've worked with both. I, you know, I certainly work with substance abusers. Uh, and it's, you know, when they make the decision to do it, then it does seem a little bit selfish. But the fact is, is that they realize they really need to focus on what they're doing. Well, of course. I'm sorry? Of course. Well, I thought you said, what course? No, I'm like, oh, of course, that- of course. <laughs> because that's the whole thing, right? No one can rescue you. You can only rescue yourself. Yes. And that's the difference between the internal. We always go back to this thing, in my mind, about the, the difference between the internal motivation and the external motivation. If it's externally motivated, then it's a distraction. Right. right. The impetus for change has to come from within the self, because if it doesn't, then all you're doing is you're just trying to meet other people's uh, needs, you know, what they need from you. And it's, when it's internal, that's when you're actually exercising your demons and, you know, and developing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if you're doing it, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to, all right, I'll quit drinking for you. Um, I mean, you can hear the voice that I just came out with. Yeah. All right, I'll do it for you. It's not going to be successful. And it's going to be done with resentment. Um, and ultimately, 
uh, I'm going to become just as much of that codependent control freak mm-hmm. as you are. Mm-hmm. And we have a battle of the wills going on now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, too, right, how people have certain archetypes that they follow, right? Mm-hmm. So the rescuer, the helper, yep. you know, the whatever it is, right? The, the caretaker, the, the savior. The nature, yep. All that kind of stuff, right? And that, that, um, that fits in really, really nicely with the person who needs to be saved, the person who needs to be helped. Oh, the absolutely. lost child, the, you know, wounded healer, the whatever it is, right? Yep. So the wounded healer will look for somebody who helps them sort of maintain that that identity to stay wounded right to stay wounded because Absolutely. yeah because they're invested in their wounds and that really comes you know into that whole thing of like we attract at you know the point of where we're at and where we want to continue to be unless we want to go elsewhere you know if we're if we're willing to give it up then we we will attract to someone that might challenge us a bit more to actually move on right chances are though we're probably going to keep attracting at the same level mm-hmm you know, it takes a long time to move out of that attraction. Mm-hmm. The energetic piece is really quite entrenched in people, I think. Well, I think, too, even if energetically, let's say, you were ready, because the energetics shifts before the material reality, supposedly, yep. right? So even if energetically you're ready and you can create something energetically different in the physical plane and in the psychological plane, it takes a while to recognize what that something different looks like. Well, the energy is so much coarser. Coarser, in what sense? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're dealing at sort of this this higher, you know, spiritual higher self, uh, well, you know, mm-hmm. soul level, that's at a higher vibration than what my body is vibrating. So it has to come oh, down I through see. these, you know, levels of coarseness until then we can manifest it into into you know the earth reality. Sure, I get that. So, but uh, so my point is basically that you don't recognize it because it's unfamiliar to you. Oh, right? yes. So, yes, it's coarser because it's at the material level, but it it is actually a higher vibrational energy than where you were just at, right? So you might not recognize it because you don't know what a higher vibrational energy actually looks no. like. and you don't know you what know, to do with it. on this plane. And it's like, ah, and it doesn't feel familiar. So what do we do when we encounter things that don't feel familiar? We go, nah, I don't know what that is. Right. I'm walking away. Right. Exactly, right? exactly. You know, now... It's sounding a little bit like the codependent is like the victim all the time, and that's not true. the uh, The victim is is both parties to their own, you know, their own stuff. But very often, uh, the spouse of the addict will uh, take part in maintaining that person in that state. Right. Um, and we call that enabling. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, it's easier to deal with you drunk than it is with you sober. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to the store. Could you pick me up my usual at the liquor store? Not a problem. Actually, it is a problem. Mm-hmm. The day you say that, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big problem. Well, what would actually happen if if the enabler got what it is that they hoped for, right? Which is maybe a partner who stopped drinking. What would actually happen, right? Then all the other issues that started the drinking in the first place that created the separation and the codependency and the enabling in the relationship would come to the forefront, and then you'd actually have to work on that. Exactly. Like they would know how. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> right? And I was like, okay, I got what I wished for. He quit drinking. Um, 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 now what? Now what? Exactly. <laughs> um, um, there's nothing in my file here. Who am I if I'm not a person who's dealing with someone who's drinking? Ah, uh, I don't know who I am. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's I, I know who you are when you're drinking, mm. you know, yeah. uh, but I don't know who you are. And I don't know who I am when you're not drinking. Yeah. All right. Because right. my, you know, as the codependent, my entire identity is actually just, a, you know, totally surrounding you. It's enmeshment. And, and it's, it's a total enmeshment. And that's a perfect, identities. yeah, it's a yeah. perfect, perfect uh, word. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I know I get asked is, well, how come if it's like all that and some peanut butter, why is this not in the DSM? Hmm. Um, and, you know. Is it looked on as as an illness, as a mental illness, um, or a personality disorder? And it's like, no, it's none of those things. It's a learned set of behaviors. Yeah. And, and we add to it as we go along. But the fact is, it is not in the DSM. It has never been from one through five, nor do I see it entering. Um, it's also just so generalized right across the board. 
You know, and it also occurs to me because it's it's often um, couple dependent or like social group dependent. So a codependent person, if they were like on a desert island completely by themselves with no one else to be codependent with, they might not manifest any kinds of personality um, issues, right? That's what I've always said. You know, put me all alone by myself in yeah. the woods, nobody around me. I don't have any codependency issues whatsoever. Exactly, right? Put so- me in a room with somebody named Jan. Things get wild. <laughs> get her out of the woods. Um, uh, you know, put me in the room with somebody and then various little thoughts will, you know, move through or trickle through. Right. And so the idea in the DSM often, from my understanding, is that the uh, the issues that show up there, even the personality disorders, are often thought to have some sort of uh, psychopathological basis that's yes. related to the neurobiology, right, of the yeah. brain. And um, so just something that we think of as being well, you know, broad spectrum learned uh, would not necessarily find its way into the DSM. No, not at all. Right. And, it's, and it doesn't invalidate the importance of knowing about this stuff right. either. You know, well, if it's not in the DSM, then it doesn't count. Well, right. you know, you're not in the DSM and I still think you count. Thanks. Which is one of my comments. Um, <laughs> and on that note, uh, we need some other people to take some comments, and we're going to uh, cut here for a break. Uh, this is Things Worth Considering, and I'm here with Jan Hill. I'm Gord Riddell, and we will be back on the other side of these commercials. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental dynamic educational environment we believe learning is much more than just theories it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back to uh, Things Worth Considering. Uh, we're talking today about codependency. Um, now, one of the things that just sort of came up uh, was the, sort of defining the difference between, especially when I mentioned DSM, uh, which is the uh, uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Psychiatric Disorders, um, is about uh, dependent personality disorders. Um, is this not sort of the same thing if this person is, you know, uh, really relying? The difference is uh, with with someone who has dependent personality disorder is it's very broad spectrumed. It's almost like they have a learned helplessness. They mm-hmm. get people to do stuff for them because they can't or, you know, uh, not up to it, whatever. Uh, and they, they really put that dependency on a lot of people. Codependency denotes one person. 
Okay, so it, it, it isn't necessarily, let's just say it's one unit, and that unit could be your family, mm-hmm. uh, or it could be a group of friends, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically, it could be a, a, a partner that, that is, uh, you're involved with. And they don't have to necessarily be a, an alcoholic. So that mm-hmm. just, you know, let's just broad spectrum this a bit more, because there's so many different kinds of addictions, and there's rarely a time when the codependent does not also have to identify their addiction. Right. Okay. Right. Like it. often so, it's not unusual for a codependent, for instance, to drink uh, with, with say the alcoholic because it's the only time they can spend together. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. So, so let's say I'm going to be very generalized, traditional male, female, but he's the drinker. She's not, mm-hmm. she goes off to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Al-Anon is often, you know, it's, Perfect place to learn detachment. Big necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to L, uh, to AA meetings, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but she will also then probably have to take a look at what is her role in drinking mm-hmm. with him. And so Al-Anon sometimes can prove to be the back door to AA, that it's not out of the norm to then see someone's spouse beginning to show up in the AA program also. Right. That makes sense to yeah. me. Because yeah. they were using it. They were using it for, for you know, what, what is not considered to be normal drinking. Uh, they were doing it in order to engage somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, so personality, uh, dependent personality disorder then is very broad, broad spectrum, is right across the board, whereas codependency is much more specific. Right. Yeah. So here's a question. So okay. I was thinking during the break about narcissism and borderline personality disorder. Great in one person. Right? <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> because it seems to me that aspects of those disorders also have within them codependency aspects. Oh, they do. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You know, someone with borderline um, would d- does very well, actually, as the codependent here. And it's because of the intensity of the drama, mm-hmm. the intensity of the emotions mm-hmm. that the borderline is very familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the narcissist is that mm-hmm. control piece. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, so so this is perfect because, you know, my spouse over there, the drunk sitting in the corner, I don't even drink, by the way. Uh, you know, I just I, so I, I have this platform now to look really, really good, uh, which is the whole narcissistic approach, because I now have a spouse that makes me look good because they look really bad. I to make sure they look bad. Yeah. When I look at this, I think of they both contain elements like um, oh, borderline sure. and narcissism contain elements of the enmeshed self, right? So the narcissist is enmeshed in a d- different kind of controlling way, uh-huh. right? Yep. Um, that really elevates the self and is filled with judgment. And for BPD, it is more an enmeshment in the actual structure, right? So right. the... the hysterical kind of drama-filled kind of intense um, processes that often involve a family structure and the family structure supports, right? Supports that kind of uh, behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which, you know, it goes back to, this. these are things that we learned that, you know, it's a set of beliefs and thoughts and behaviors that have uh, come with us up through our life. I mean, we might add to them, but the core of those mm-hmm. are, those are all learned behaviors. Mm-hmm. And every one of us at some point or some level mm-hmm. have been exposed to all of this. Mm-hmm. Varying degrees of intensity, abuse or trauma, or, you know, there's the looking good family. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have the chaotic alcoholic family or abuse, a substance abuse family. But the, the looking good family, when we look at that lovely house, the, the Smiths across the street who go to church every Sunday and they all leave for work early in the morning uh, at 8 a.m. and they come back at 8 p.m. And, you know, and everyone's like, they're very fine, upstanding uh, citizens from what we can see, only for us to discover mm-hmm. that inside that house is total chaos. Well, right. And that reminds me of the importance of secrets, like secrets as the cement, right? That uh, holds the economy together. In the economy, it's an economy of secrets, right? Yeah, yeah. and we're only so as sick as our secrets. Yeah, and the codependency is actually facilitated by the secrets. Yeah. So, for example, if I told you a secret about my grandma, for example, yep. then that creates a kind of uh, dependency between you and, you and me, right? You are the person who holds my secret, yep. and you have a certain amount of power over me because you hold that secret, I'm right? I'm tell your grandma. But you also, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. But you also have now a particular role as the secret keeper, 
Right. Right? Yeah. So if you want to be the secret keeper in a family, then, you know, you got to keep the secrets, right? And that has a lot of power. Well, it, it does, especially when that secret keeper tells each person and says, don't say anything. Well, right. That's so exactly we have a whole room full of secret keepers. Well, right. That's who the aren't elephant. keeping secrets, right? That's the elephant in the middle of the room that right. no one can point at. So that's the economy. When I use the term economy, that's what I mean. There's always this bartering and exchanging going on, right? I'll totally. tell you this piece of the secret if you tell me that piece of some secret that I don't already know. So the secrets aren't actually secrets. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, didn't I just read that in the New York Times? Yeah, they just look <laughs> like secrets. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and the foundational base of that is, is you know, the uh, the thing that keeps this society together, it seems, unfortunately, is shame. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very shame-based behavior. And um, almost all of this is actually a, 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 a reaction to fear and a reaction to shame. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the, I, if I'm not mistaken, there was a show that was out just recently called Shameless. It was about an alcoholic father. Um, uh, people, people have spoken quite highly of it. I watched it a couple of times. I was not really wanting it. It reminded me a little bit too much of work. Um, <laughs> not wanting to follow it through, you know. Um, I could probably pull out some of my own, own files. It would look like scripts. Uh, but it's it that shame piece is just so huge, and the shame holds the secrets. Right. Because um, I, I really wanted to say this one more time: is that we are only as sick as our secrets. Mm-hmm. We can have privacy, privacy absolutely. But if you think of what you do with the secret, how you hold onto it, you guard it, you you know nothing can let this come out. Oh my God, that's a, such an amount of work to hold right. onto. You know, right. and the shame around that if it did come out. So, uh, as I say, there's so much focus then on the secret that we get, we just get into all kinds of problems with that. Mm-hmm. So, how do we know we're codependent, right? Well, according to like Melanie Beatty has this whole long list of of behaviors. Basically, oh, absolutely, right? I have them memorized. Yeah. Uh, so, she actually she she's really Melanie Beatty is really a forefront. Uh, writer in this field mm-hmm. of codependent no more, uh, beyond codependency, um, a whole bunch of books. But, you know, there's, there's certain things that she identified is in this checklist that she came up with uh, years ago. It is still as valid then as it is today, um, or today as it is, was then when she wrote it. All right, do you feel responsible for other people, their feelings, thoughts, actions, choices, wants, needs, well-being, and destiny? destiny wow that's pretty heavy but yes i do uh (laughs) do you feel compelled to help people solve their problems or by trying to take care of their feelings yeah sometimes i do sometimes i know i don't want to i didn't want to hurt her yeah i'm codependent on my dog (laughs) no seriously the other night she decided to sleep by the back door i do not know why but I just lay in bed going, oh, she won't come back to me. Come back. I would call her back. She'd come on the bed. And then as soon as my eyes were closed, still awake, she'd sneak off. Go sit oh. in the chair at the back door. Is she drinking by the back door? I could. I think she was hoping for night squirrels. <laughs> night but, squirrels. That's yeah, funny. but I was really struck by my codependency. Really? Yeah, really, really struck. Interesting. And she's a new dog, so it didn't take long to develop. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. It's only been the last couple of weeks. Actually. Happened fast. Uh, do you find it easier to feel and express anger about injustices done to others than about injustices done to you? Mm. Interesting. That's, yeah. That's, uh, that's actually one of the things sometimes I use when I'm working with people that just don't see any or they don't have any feelings around the abuse that they went through. But when I ask them, how would you feel if this was done to your son or your daughter? Mm. They're like, I would kill them. Yeah. Good. Why yeah. don't you feel that about you? Yeah. And they're like, oh. So you know what? I see this a lot in uh, organizations that are geared towards social justice, social change, that sort of thing, where yep. you have a lot of people who are advocates, right? So they're angry about something, but they're not, they can't own their anger and say, because you did this to me, but they can be angry about, you know, what's happening to the planet and right. what, you know, the baby seals that are getting bludgeoned and things like that. So they're just projecting their own hurt and pain on those baby seals. And I'm not saying that. Oh, yeah. No, no, I understand. I feel that way too about baby seals. But yeah. you know what? The thing is, it's like, what's the mechanism behind it, right? 
right? right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's a lot of of, of hurt and, and wounded healers mm. and advocates and political justice, social justice, all those things mm-hmm. that are walking wounded. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Thank God for those people because they make enough noise, at least, that exactly. some things begin to change. Exactly, right? And some things don't. Yep. So Do you feel walking. safest and most comfortable when you are giving to others? Do you feel insecure and guilty when someone gives to you? Hmm. That's the thing about uh, when they talk about it in strength-based discourses, they talk about it as loving and being loved. Are you able to love, which is giving to somebody else, and be loved, which is able to receive from somebody else. Exactly, exactly. Right. You know, a, a really simple one around that is the the whole thing of uh, giving and taking compliments. Mm. People can give compliments, but they don't like to receive them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, the, you know, well, they invalidate. Uh, just we talked about this in another yeah. show. Uh, um, it's just sort of a an easy one to to look by. How about do you feel empty, bored, and worthless if you don't have someone else to take care of, uh, a problem to solve, or a crisis to deal with? Hmm. Interesting. So some people, I believe that some people are just born problem solvers. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're codependent. They're just strategic-minded people. Yep. Right? So, so they everywhere they look, they just see a better way to do something. Sure. Another sure. way. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, that that is, you know, that's, that's very true. Let's hope that they have a career, though, that they do that in. Yeah, Not that's in true. their private life. That's true. And, you know, I think what's interesting about how this is worded, do you feel empty, bored, or worthless? Somebody who's a strategic problem solver, if they weren't strategically problem solving something, they would not feel worthless necessarily. Right. Right. Exactly. They would be like, okay, that's- I got it. Find my next problem. My next project. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm training psychotherapists, one of the things I usually ask at the beginning is, how many of you have people who come to you and, and, you know, Mm-hmm. When they're in trouble and they, you know, you're this wonderful listener, you hear all these people's problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, number one is, would you be phoning them when you're, you know, discordant or mm-hmm. anything? They're like, hell no. All right. And the other thing, too, is, is that, well, you know what? You, you have developed basically an entire caseload of non-paying clients. Yeah, exactly. It's my Because hobby. the only connection is, is what you can do for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh. Mm-hmm. At which point I then suggest they perhaps get rid of them mm-hmm. um, and get paying clients and to get friends that actually support them mm-hmm. that they can go to in a reciprocal uh, a friendship. Sure. You know, uh, but the look on their faces like an unpaid caseload. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, you know, people do that. Is that yeah. They're not taking care of people. They don't feel that they have this right. sense of and worth. Psychotherapy is a profession, not a hobby. Exactly. Right, like, <laughs> exactly. Really? Yeah. Oh, hmm. I hope I get paid soon. <laughs> um, uh, are you often a- unable to stop talking, thinking, and worrying about other people? Uh, do you lose interest in your own life when you are in love? Ching, there is your switch around right there. Mm-hmm. You hear someone, you know, they they dated somebody like a couple of times over the last week mm-hmm. uh, uh, or the last day. Uh, yeah. And they're talking about living together, moving in together, the, the planning marriage. I mean, the the total loss of self. And yet, if you said, what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking financially. As a person, most of us don't have a clue mm-hmm. what it is that we we bring to the table that we offer in terms of our mm-hmm. qualities. Mm-hmm. I think what happens to people sometimes, too, is uh, they confuse need with love. So if this person needs me, they will love me. So if you lose interest in your own stuff and you start facilitating somebody else's stuff, then you create that need, you create that dependency, but you actually also create the codependency. You feed the codependency beast. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when people are like, oh, well, I can do this for you. I can get this for you. Uh, we could do this on mm-hmm. Saturday. We could, you know, we can fix this up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, whoa, yeah. let's just take a step back here. And we're going to do that right now. Because okay. we need to go to a commercial. Okay. All right. Um, this is Things Worth Considering here on uh, Voice America Talk Radio. We will be right back uh, after these messages. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Okay, uh, we're back with uh, Things Worth Considering, and we're hoping that uh, we have given you some things so far to uh, consider. Um, Just remember that everybody has these problems. This is not a uh, reflection of being a bad person. It's just life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's, what we're about. It's about I think connecting. it's kind of a natural way that we actually interact with people. I think Maybe so that's too. why it's so common, right? Is because if we truly are sort of utilitous people and we're thinking always in our minds, right? What what is it that I like am I going to be rejected? Um, can I contribute to this relationship, et cetera, et cetera? If this is our mechanism for self valuing and that sort of thing, then uh, of course that makes sense that we would be thinking about this all the time. Yeah. That we would engage in these behaviors all the time, right? Because you're always self-regulating vis-a-vis other people. And it doesn't make us bad people. No, it makes yeah. us human. human. Oh, my God, human. Human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, oh. what, what else am I looking for here? Okay. So, there's some characteristics of codependency that are going to sound probably pretty familiar to people. Mm. So, there is just the inability to know what normal actually is. Oh, my God, yes. Right? Like, what are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be doing it? You know? Is this interaction that we're having, is this respectful? Is it okay? Is this... Is it normal? Is it normal? If you got spanked at home, then you thought everybody got spanked only to discover that you were the only one that got it. Exactly. With with a cane or whatever. Often too, there's uh, difficulty in following a project through. And this Mm -hmm. is interesting. So why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, that whole thing of, of, uh, well, he's saying you got to make a decision as to where you're going to go from there. Yeah, exactly, right? So it's like if... uh, Yeah, I think I didn't read the books. (laughs) (laughs) So like, Gord, if you need help with A, and I'm like, Gord, Gord, let me help you with A, let me help you with A, let me help you with A. And you're like, okay, Jen, here's A, right? Then two things are going to happen. Either you're just going to go on a holiday and leave me doing A, right? And then I'm like, what? And then I drop it. Or what's going to happen is I'm, I don't have my own direction. So I'm going to always be like, wow, how do I do A? How do I do A? How do I do A? Right? And so then I will probably just drop it because I don't know how to do it on mm. my own. Yep. Right? Without, without you, Gord. Um, so <laughs> difficulty in following a project through. Yes. Difficulty having fun. Oh, my God. That's so true. And I think that's because the mental process of evaluating is always in gear, right? Like you can never be in the moment. And it's You're really always hard watching to have yourself. Fun. Yeah. 
You're always, there's a part of you that is always observing yourself, observing the room, yep. observing the corner that you're standing in. You know, I mean, there's all these observations and each one carries its own sense mm-hmm. of judgment. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So, and then there's, and that fits in with this idea of judging the self and oh. others without mercy, right? That's so right. it's, you know. Often I say, I don't need to say anything to that person because I know they're going to beat the hell out of themselves. Exactly, right? Exactly. Which fits in with the other pieces of low self-esteem, projecting stuff onto other people, you know, like, why don't they get their act together? Mm. No, that sort of thing, right? Yep. Um, How about this? Difficulty in developing and sustaining meaningful relationships. Oh, absolutely. How can you? Because I'm so flawed. How could I find, why would anybody want to be with me? Yeah, and this is the thing, right? Is that Or you're so flawed. Yeah. Why, yeah. You're so flawed. You right? probably thought the show was about you. Exactly, right? So <laughs> here's what happens, though, is that um, this happens often in the beginning of relationships, right? Where you show up your best version of yourself. Yes. And you modify it depending on the best version of the other person that the other person is showing you. Right. So suddenly sure. now you're skydiving and, you know, hell skiing and stuff like that. And you're like, well, I hate this shit. But it scares the hell out of me. Yeah. yeah. But you're doing it anyway because, you know, you 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 want to be that version that, yes. the, that the other person feels attracted to. But what ends up happening, of course, is that becomes unsustainable in the relationship because at a certain point, you're just not going to go hell skiing anymore. Right. Yep. It's just not working for you. Yep. Right. Well, we used to do that when we first got together. We used to ski all the time, which well, I don't understand why you don't do it anymore. Yeah, exactly. Why yeah. don't we do that anymore, right? Because I really, I hated it. I just did it to make you look good. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right? So you actually, if you do fall in love, you fall in love with the version of the person that they actually aren't are. Aren't are. Is that aren't even are is. That they actually aren't. That's true. Right? That's true. So it's like you don't even love me. You love the I version love your of new me shoes. that I presented to I you. I love the shoes you're putting forward. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Um, Best foot forward. Yeah, there's the belief that others cause or are responsible for the codependence emotions. Oh, yeah. You made me feel this. Yeah. You make me feel this way. Why Mm -hmm. do you always make me so angry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then there's overreacting to change, which makes total sense too, right? Because if you're invested in doing, if I'm invested in doing A for you, Gord, and then you change it, right? Then I'm like, what? Now I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. I don't know what to do. How could you change that? And that goes back to when the person decides to stop being an addict or at least go into recovery is, oh, my God, now what am I supposed to be in this relationship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How about inability to see alternatives to situations? So people will respond really impulsively. Well, I'll just do this. Like it's That's kind right. of like a panic response. Yeah. The, the knee right? jerk. Exactly. Need your reaction, um, and that's and that's true. But again, they can't be too reflective because the reflection could go one one foot deeper. And uh, oh my God, that's what's underneath all this for mm-hmm. me. Because mm-hmm. remember, I don't want to look at this stuff. Got to yeah, don't yeah. want to work on that. How yeah. about feelings of being different and constantly seeking approval? I you know I think that's a big one. I think mm-hmm. I think almost every single person feels different, mm-hmm. and you know why? Because we are. Yeah, but. There's a there is a thing in our society that says we all need to be alike. We need to conform. Can you imagine if we were all alike, how boring this world would be? Well, right. But there's even that thing of there's something about being able to hold the paradox, right? And in our culture, we're not good with the paradoxes. We want everything to be A or B, right? Yep. Or right or left or whatever, right? In this box or that box. And holding the paradox is actually recognizing that we can be the same. There's many ways that we are the same. And sure. there's many ways that we are different. And yep. so all the time, right, like this is what it is to be human, is to recognize our similarities and to recognize in our similarities there are differences. To recognize in our differences there are similarities, Right, 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 right. But I think it's embracing. It's not denying our differences. Mm-hmm. Like people literally like amputate parts of themselves off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like they've deemed it to be unacceptable or right. not an okay difference. In order to, you know, if you look at teens in their in their in the you know that period where they're all this peer pressure to conform. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that conformity carries on. And I think conformity is dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. at the root of like. You know, some of the some of the worst governments of the world was about right, you and know, it, fascism and Nazism and yeah, and it fits yeah. into all the in, the incapacity to change and be innovative and to you know, and then you would fear change and that kind of stuff that we've been talking about. What about um, this is this is a good one I think. What about either being super responsible or super irresponsible? Yes, 
Right. Yeah. Codependents are really good usually uh, who are in, in a relationship with an addict are incredible people. They really are. They work yeah. really, really hard. They are so responsible. Mm-hmm. The addict, not so much. Yeah. But the the, uh, the codependent, absolutely. You come and work for me, honey, because yeah. things are going to get done. But here's something interesting. Just because you're super responsible doesn't mean you're codependent. Oh, no, 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 no. Right? Not at all. Because at all. sometimes people are super responsible because they're trying to establish autonomy. Yes. Sometimes people are super responsible because they are actually trying to undermine autonomy. They're trying to build connections by being responsible for other people's stuff. Yes, or right? stand out over top of other people. Yeah, and yep. so that's the codependent piece. But yes. I say in my own de- in my own defense. Oops, <laughs> did I say that aloud? Okay. Um, what about lack of well, lack of self confidence in making decisions? That seems like it totally makes sense, right? It and, does. Um, it does. Just feeling of fear, insecurity, inadequacy, guilt, hurt, and shame. Right? When we deny these. Well, you just described me That's waking everything. up this morning. That's everything. Uh, <laughs> right? All yeah. of us. Yeah. I mean, those are all common. We all have these experiences. It doesn't mean that we need to go running off to a therapist. What we need to determine is how do these traits affect you? Yeah. And affect your ability to have relationships yeah. that are somewhat healthy. Yeah. And they create patterns, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and there are certain patterns that emerge. There's definitely when codependency. There's denial pattern uh, where you minimize, you alter, or you deny how you truly feel. Right. You and know? that's the secret part, right? You've got to keep part. that part secret. Why are you angry? I'm not angry. Yeah. 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 How about low self-esteem pattern? Yep. I do not perceive myself as lovable or a worthwhile person. I think that's a core message that so many people get. I think right? so, too. You know, it's that. that it's really tragic in yeah. our society. When we have everything... What we don't have is a sense of being okay. Yeah. That yeah, we're, yeah. we are abundantly overflowing. Yeah. Oh, the universe is. Oh, look, all the trees out there. And I'm, I'm feeling like a winter bereft twig blowing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you're the whole universe. Uh, absolutely. Because my roots go right through to the other side of this planet. And beyond. Even if I am just a twig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, compliance. Mm. Uh, that we value other people's opinions and feelings uh, much more than our own, mm-hmm. and we're often then afraid to express our own, that people mm-hmm. might not like what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what if they don't like what I have to say? Well, call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you more. Yeah. What about control? There's whole patterns of oh. control. Control. You know, I mean, that's just so much of it. Uh, uh, you can't talk about codependency without talking about control. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, buzzwords like let it go. <laughs> right. Letting go, letting go. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of shoulds involved, and uh, they want to tell you often what you should think and how you are truly feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. It's kind of interesting, right? Because I used to train a lot of coaches, and what I found was there were a lot of coaches who would say, Well, I should be a coach because uh, I always tell my friends anyway what to do. Right. <laughs> I'm really good at telling other people. And then I'd be like, Ding ding. Good luck with that, yeah, exactly, right? Clearly, exactly. you don't know what coaching is. Right, exactly. Right? And by the way, uh, your friend's hanging out with you these days? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not seeing anybody coming in here with you. <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting how different professions attract different kinds of personalities, right? Yes. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from whether it's, you know, from psychotherapy to healthcare medicine or to holistic medicine, all different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's wonderful. That's our differences. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, having gone over this, I just really want to, you know, just state that uh, sometimes codependency label is just way overused. It's 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 put on people that is is unfair. Yeah. With because they they don't know they don't understand even perhaps what that means. So some people find it very offensive. Some people go immediately running to their therapist. Um, but I think that. Uh, Really, the bottom line is codependency is about human beings doing what comes naturally, and that is trying to love people. Right. Or love our life, our dogs, our cats, whatever. It's kind of nice. But it's about loving. I'm getting all teary-eyed. Yeah. I think we need to be a little less harsh. We need to be aware that it can be very debilitating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, you know, I mean, here's here's good news. Mm -hmm. It's treatable. Mm. It is absolutely treatable. Um, It's treatable when we... You know, move towards, uh, um, stop making this into a pathology. Uh, you know, so much, and and I know that you're in social research uh, and mm-hmm. t- with your teaching and so on, but 
We have pathologized our humanity. Of course. And we continue to do so. The of more course. the more we think we study people and yep. we find more uh, uh, similarities, right. those similarities now become the new norms. Of course. And if I don't have one of those norms, then there must be something wrong with me. Of course. I think we've, we really need to move towards embracing humanity in a way that says this is just human. Right. And – Helping people not to self-harm, mm-hmm. not to harm others, uh, then then we can bring this back onto the table. But to say that, you know, oh, well, this really belongs, given what you've said, in the DSM, is like, no, it doesn't belong in the DSM when we're dealing with learned behavior. Yeah, so none of that is the fault of social science and research, just by the way. What yes, I would say is, yes, is that is. The, actually <laughs> where the problem comes from, right? And You, can you should see you're getting like, really defensive here you right now, about, folks. No, people like Faroudi, right, who talk about therapy yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that there's this broad spectrum of therapy work out there that is actually not rooted in evidence-based work, which is fine. Then it's something totally different. But what ends up happening is you end up with a whole bunch of pop culture stuff where people misuse oh, yeah. the labels or they go to the internet and they look at, you know, some somebody's blog post uh, who actually doesn't know what they're talking about. And they use the labels like narcissism is a really strongly misused label. Um, a lot of these things are are problematic. Right. And then and then what ends up happening, actually, is they we think of them as being misused because they become overgeneralized. But in the overgeneralization, what they're actually showing us is that there's core qualities of many of these uh, more extreme behaviors and perspectives that actually are a part of all of us. Oh, yeah. That's why we attach ourselves to that label, yeah. right? Or judge it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so then what ends up happening, like I think the learning there is like is basically what people like Faroudi say, which is like, hey, you know what? We don't. It's it's probable it's troublesome having all these labels. Yes. Because so people labels. from the outside will become the label. Yeah. They think they are the label, rather than saying this is a condition of existence that's part of all of us. So in treating. And so why pathologize? I'm not, not, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, why pathologize? Exactly. Um, it can become progressive codependency with withdrawal and hopelessness and so on. Um, but there, there is treatments available. There are mm. 12-step programs like Al-Anon, Codependence Anonymous. Uh, if you grew up in a family, then there's adult children of alcoholics, ACA, um, of course, psychotherapy. Key words, letting, learning to let go, give up control. And boundaries, mm-hmm. all right? And we're looking for progress, not perfection. It's a lifelong process of learning. So uh, next week, um, we will be here on American Thanksgiving. We hope you listen to our show on the attitude of gratitude. It's really good for your health. <laughs> all right. Have a great uh, Thanksgiving uh, time off, and uh, we will be back in another week. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.